Fratelloni's Ace you. Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 310, January 27th, 2020. It was 47 degrees on this day in 1934 and uh, 23 below in 1950. <laughs> Kenny's World War II thermos just tipped over. I could, I could you have a song? And now, okay. from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Yesterday was a wonderful example of why you need 24 to 48 hours before you understand the details of any significant news story. Uh, and the... First, uh, Kobe Bryant and five people were dead. Then it was Kobe Bryant and all his family. And then it turned out to be nine people. We're going to be joined by Ken Melkier. He's a longtime Channel 5, the Channel 5 helicopter pilot. Is Ken with us? Hi, Ken. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Just are, cut to the chase. He's the best in the business. Yeah, he is. Ken, uh, how long have you been flying helicopters for Hubbard? Well, coming uh, this year in 2020, it will be 25 years. And prior to that, where did you get your experience? It was usually with uh, utility companies and uh, corporate air taxis, similar to what Kobe had done, is uh, uh, use the aircraft to transport himself from place to place. I did a little bit of that executive transport, also utility companies. Are you going to be uh, surprised if this proves to be pilot error? Uh, not at all. In fact, this morning... I called up the flight data because the uh, the aircraft, with all the modern avionics and navigation systems, are able to record their position periodically along the flight, and I have followed that. I've downloaded that and followed that on my computer, and in the final minute prior to the crash, there was a lot of erratic behavior in aircraft speed and altitude, and the pilot had initiated a hard left turn away from um, Freeway 101, otherwise known as Ventura Freeway, right. Mamba Sport. And for him to do that um, with that kind of erratic behavior in speed and altitude, if it isn't something mechanically induced, then it's spatial disorientation. The pilot is losing control of knowing what's up and what's down. And uh, that's kind of, there's some indications here on this flight data that that may indeed be what happened. And then I would imagine the fog has to be factored in. Oh, fog is huge, especially yeah. in California where, and I've flown in California quite a bit, and you have dramatic changes in terrain. And, you know, you take off in the L.A. Basin, which is just barely above sea level, and the cloud deck is, a, you know, 1,000 feet up, and you feel fine. But as you get out of town and you start rolling into the hills and the canyons and the elevation climbs, that cloud deck gets closer and closer to your flight profile, and uh, it, it can change quickly in a matter of uh, – Seconds, especially if you're flying at the speeds this helicopter was, you know, 130, 140 knots, which is about 150 miles an hour. Good it Lord. happens quickly. Do you think there are more helicopters per capita in Los Angeles than any other city in the country? 
It'd be uh, Los Angeles and New York City. In fact, they are so uh, <laughs> they're so numerous that they have flyaways along the freeway, and helicopters going one direction must fly on the same side of the road wow. that traffic is moving down below on the ground. Really? So that they don't collide with oncoming helicopter traffic going the other direction. So you have you have established helicopter routes in the L.A. area that you must abide by, which is more or less flying the same side of the freeway that the traffic is moving down below. Do you sense that Kobe's pilot, uh, it, it certainly sounds in the last minute, they knew they were in extraordinary trouble, and you say he veered away from the 101. Do you think he was trying to maybe not cause any more deaths than, than resulted? Well... If I was to put myself in his shoes and trying to, you know, reconstruct maybe what happened here, is he's flying along the 101. He gets to uh, Las Virginis Road, which is a cross road to the 101, and he passes over the top of that. But while he's doing that, in the final 60 seconds, and I mean the last 60 seconds, He's following the road, but he's climbing, mm -hmm. and he's climbing very dramatically. The only reason he would do that if he's trying to avoid possibly the cloud bank down below, or he had already penetrated the cloud bank, has now found himself in trouble and is trying to execute a 180-degree turn to get back out of it. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, the trouble is when you get into that, it is so quick in that 180-degree turn you have to not look outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't look through the windshield because there's no visual references any longer. It's like somebody sprayed white spray paint over your windshield in two seconds. Wow. And Holy so God. you have to go completely on instrumentation. Yep. And to make that transition is, um, especially if, if you're you know, on the verge of panicking that something's happening here, he's making that turn and he just simply lost control because in the final... 15 seconds, he's increasing speed by descent, which means he's plummeting to the ground. But he's still executing the turn. Mm -hmm. So if he's doing the turn and heading towards the ground, he doesn't know which way he's up anymore. Okay. Yeah. Well, as a, as a pilot, you had to be shocked at hearing this news. You know, I really am because uh, the S-76 that they're flying on is the premier executive VIP transport helicopter. Um, it is used uh, regularly by high-profile celebrities, has a tremendous safety record, and uh, especially with all the navigation abilities that the aircraft has. I'm sure the pilot was well-trained, but, you know, in these types of circumstances, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the emotion and the, the, the fear and the imminent danger can kind of take precedent yeah. over your training. Ken, I appreciate your time. Uh, uh, Reavers has something Kenny, for you. Kenny, I'm wondering, too, uh, it, it was reported that the Los Angeles Police Department had grounded all air traffic because of the conditions. Is that something that this particular pilot would have been knowledgeable of? Yes, he would have. There, uh, All the airports in the area have uh, uh, weather reporting stations, so they know exactly from point to point what the weather uh, is at any given position on the airport, and that's done on an hourly basis. 
LAPD was grounded at, at the time of his uh, departure from uh, John Wayne Airport, the visibility was two miles and 800 feet. Now, that's not impossible to fly in. A helicopter can easily fly in two miles, 800 feet. But getting out of the L.A. basin where the uh, altitude starts to go up, temperatures may change slightly, you know, that can go from 800 feet to 200 feet just like that. So um, I'm sure he was compelled to get Kobe and the rest of the passengers to the sports center, and that's the reason why they left. But um, I think that would have been a day they should have taken a limo. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. Kenny? Uh, Ken, I have a question. Did you call it spatial disorientation? Is that what you referred to it, uh, the pilot suffering from? Right. Spatial disorientation. You know, the your inner ear is telling you which way's left, right, up, and down. And uh, because of um, the changes in attitude in the aircraft, um, your inner ear is lying to you. Okay. You know, and you need to rely strictly on the instruments, and, and you may look at those instruments in disbelief because your, okay. your ear and your brain are telling you one thing, but the instruments are telling you another. If you want to replicate this, it's very easy. All you got to do is close your eyes, spin in place two or three times, and then open your eyes and tell me which way is up and down. Okay. If you can still stand up. Yeah. All right. So you actually answered my second question was uh, that it is entirely possible to fly this, uh, this aircraft by instrument. Yes, it is. You know, okay. the pilot would have been instrument rated. And along with that, the aircraft has to also be instrument rated, not just the pilot, but the aircraft as well. The S-76 would have. It is likely, almost certainly, it had uh, uh, a uh, three-axis autopilot on board. The aircraft, you can set that up to, in, in essence, it can fly itself. Wow. Um, but uh, that takes some time. It takes moments to do that. And in an in-flight emergency like that, which he may have had, uh, you just wouldn't have had time to turn the knobs and flick the switches to make the helicopter stabilize itself. Okay, one, one last question. Is there, a, uh, is there a flight recorder, a data recorder, um, anything like that that we hear the FAA always gets a hold of when a plane crashes? It may or it may not have had that. Uh, the flight recorder is, is mandated with uh, uh, commercial airliners. Oh, okay. Uh, this particular small aircraft, it is not, but that's not to say it's, uh, it didn't have it. Um, it's just not mandated to have it. Well, I learned a lot. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> well, what I'm learning, Ken, is, and it's, uh, it's a dreadful thought, but uh, all nine people on board must have known what was happening. I think they knew, well, the S-76, um, as an executive helicopter, is very much like a limousine. You're sitting in the back, isolated away from the cockpit. Um, this all happened so quickly, within 60 seconds. I'm sure by the last 30 seconds, they knew they were in trouble. The last 15 seconds, oh. I'm sure, was terrifying. Um, oh. The only thing I can tell you here is that it all happened so quickly in the final moment that none of them knew what hit them. Right. The, the, the speed at the 185 miles an hour that it went into the, the hill 
the reason for that was why? Why? Tell me again why there was a um, acceleration. Okay, as I mentioned before, he was following the 101. Yep. And uh, when he got to Las Virginis Road, he started to execute a left turn. Okay. And as he was as he was doing that left turn, he was increasing speed by rate of descent. In other words, he was losing altitude, and as he's going down, he's picking up speed. Okay. So, and that all started uh, even back at when he was over the 101, about uh, 15 to 20 seconds before impact, he went from 110 knots. Uh, well, I'll, I'll put that into miles per hour. You know, it's about 125 miles an hour. And then in the next few seconds, six seconds later, He's now up to 140, Jeez. and six seconds later after that, he's up to 170, and now he's just, you know, two or three seconds away from yeah. hitting the ground. Ken, I appreciate your time. You're, uh, you're very helpful. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thank you. Ken Melkier, who was uh, Channel 5's helicopter pilot for what? 20 years. Watched him land on top of this building many, many times. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the wow. building shakes. Yeah. I think that that had to be dreadful because for the last minute, mm-hmm. they they got to know that. Wait a minute here, we're right? In trouble. You're spinning. You wait is, a minute. This isn't working out for us. Good lord! And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that at the beginning of the show because shame on a lot of the media racing to be the first to put stuff up to put out misinformation. And chief among them was TMZ, and the sheriff attacked TMZ because they put this out on social media before the family had even been notified. During a press conference, Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva took a swipe at the website TMZ when explaining to reporters why he would not yet confirm the identities of those who were on the helicopter. It would be extremely disrespectful disrespectful to understand that your loved one perished and you learn about it from TNZ, Villanueva said. That is just wholly inappropriate. Uh, Los Angeles County Under Sheriff Tim Murakami also jabbed TMC in a tweet. I am saddened that I was gathering facts as a media outlet reported Kobe had passed Mia Murakami right. I understand getting the scoop, but please allow us time to make personal notifications to their loved ones. It's very cold to hear the loss via media. It breaks my heart. Uh, what is TMZ? They are a an gossip, entertainment website, an entertainment gossip website. They're paparazzi, basically yes. American yeah. paparazzi. Well, again, what we've been saying on this show for years is we've learned about the decline of the news gathering industry in terms of its competency, for example, and its reliability. That the race in this country to be first mm-hmm. uh, far exceeds anyone's willingness to be correct, mm-hmm. and so you need. I mean. I, I restrained myself yesterday. Uh, I said it was reported that his daughters were on the, on the, on the craft, but you know it went from five people were on there. Uh, it went. Uh, it was all his family was on there. Uh, then it was just uh, a daughter was on there, and then it became nine people were on there, and uh, no one was getting it right because they raced ahead of the authorities to put it out. They didn't even wait for the sheriff to give them the okay. So I guess the need to be first in this, I don't know what, how does that benefit TMZ to be first? I, I have no additional respect for TMZ. Web clicks. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they, they do have a lot of the information first, so they are somewhat known for that. But that was just, that was despicable. And then you have uh, the, the uh, 
ankle biters uh, uh, clamoring to uh, take apart an MSNBC anchor on social media. Uh, she, uh, her name is Allison Morris, and she responded to a viral video Sunday trying to explain a vocal flub during a report on the death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, not long after the news of Bryant's death in a helicopter crash broke, Morris told MSNBC viewers that Bryant was perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers, except she stumbled over the name of the team. Many believed Morris uttered the N-word, but she said that simply is not the case. I listened to it. Uh, I know It's not plausible to me that she was being uh, untoward in any way. She almost said nakers. Like, like he played for the Knicks and the Lakers. The and the Lakers. So, uh, but it's just silly, the the, uh, the feuds that develop in this country by anonymous people with their Snapchats which, and which Instagram. You said she was an MSNBC anchor. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody in that position ever say anything like that? I mean, stop being ludicrous, you morons. But if you hear the clip, but when you hear the clip, well, she, she was going so fast. Well, another one she, trying to be first. Yeah. It was just calm down on. Just yeah. read the story. Trying to be first. I suppose there are figures in all sports who would have gotten the same attention, right? Mm. Well, what if Wayne Gretzky went down? Yeah. yeah uh, well. Tiger Woods went down. Uh, Derek Jeter went down. NBA, uh, though, because of the overall draw of the entire country, and internationally he was huge, um, I think that weren't, that's why there was even more. The whole country was, wow. The reason I asked Ken about uh, how many helicopters might be in Los Angeles, and he said New York and Los Angeles are the two busiest helicopter cities, I got to think Kobe Bryant's not the only athlete who would use a helicopter to get to the job because I've been there a hundred times, and I can't stand it. You can't drive anywhere. You're, you're mm-hmm. just log jammed on the freeways. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to learn that. I never even entered my mind, but I think you're right. There's probably more than a handful. Well, there was uh, the 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders that came out, I don't know, a year ago, and he would fly on the same day from one game to play baseball to another game to play football, and he would fly by helicopter. Hmm. I mean, if you, I think Kobe might have lived in Newport Beach during a lot of his later years. I don't know where he lives, but I read Newport Beach. But again, what I, how can I trust what I read? But... If he had driven from Newport Beach to a Lakers game, it would take him three hours. Right, yeah. So I don't blame the guy for using a helicopter. No. Apparently that was his own, right? Yeah, he owned it. That's a hell of a toy. Not yeah, anymore, unfortunately, for Kobe. Well, but... he made he made some dough. Well, I understand. I understand. He was having a very successful post-basketball career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting into the film business and what have you. and Giving away a lot of money, actually. Yeah. Quite the yeah. philanth- yeah. philanthropist. All right, we're going to be... We're going to be back. Truth, Justice, and the Souchereau. Uh, Gary and Egan writes, Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you! Well, Joe, you finally did it. Somehow, some way, you have managed to convert Nakimi Levy Armstrong, formerly Nakima, Nakima Levy Pounds, into a garage logician. I refer you to her opinion piece in the Saturday, January 25th Star Tribune. Without going on at length about the piece, I think the headline and sub. 
title line sum up the article. The headline reads, Research Shows That Progressive Cities Lag. The sub-headline right below that reads, Conservative Cities Are Much Better at Closing the Opportunity Gap in Education. I'm now outside to see if there are any pigs flying. Good luck and keep pushing back. And then I uh, also have from uh, uh, Chuck, uh, I read an article in the Star Tribune from your friend, Nakima Levy-Armstrong, discussing the education gap in cities between white students and minority students. She admits the gaps in more conservative cities like Anaheim, Jacksonville, and Virginia Beach are much lower than the bastions of enlightenment, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and other progressive cities. She won't admit that that finding means the end of liberalism and the mystery, but it is an admission from someone who despises any thought other than the democratic claptrap that she usually espouses. It has to make her think. What a ray of hope. She may actually be pushing back without realizing it. Do you have jacks today? Uh, I do not. I'm going to save this for you because the guy also has an interesting jack story. I'm going to save that. All right. What these emailers are referring to uh, is a piece that appeared in the January 24th. No, I'm sorry. Uh, it, they're referring to a piece that uh, Nakima Levy Pounds, whatever the hell her name is, Armstrong, Armstrong. Uh, wrote about uh, a study that reveals that conservative cities have a much less of a gap in their educational achievement than these progressive fruitcake cities like we live in. And, and it was uh, uh, in the Star Tribune opinion exchange right, on Saturday. Right. And it's based on a study that shows us none of that, which surprises me. It would make sense to me mm-hmm. that conservative thinking would result in uh, better performance by kids in school than this nonsense that we put up with here from these fools in the salon. And she's acknowledging, she acknowledges the study. I don't think she, I think, Kenny, she struggles to uh, to cut to the chase and say, yeah, conservatism is better than liberalism. She begrudgingly acknowledges it, and it's not without taking numerous swipes at uh, mm-hmm. the conservative uh, people of this country. It's a bright beam report that shows progressive <laughs> cities like Minneapolis do worse. And surprisingly, she writes, and surprisingly, mm-hmm. conservative cities do better. It's not surprising. No, it is not surprising. Just off the top of my head, uh, with with an with an environment of conservatism, there might be more discipline. There might be more expectations. There might be more responsibility. There might be more uh, compelling reasons to take education seriously. There's nothing about this Nikimi or Nakima is surprising. But she says it's surprising when it comes to educating students of color. According to the report, conservative cities have gaps in math and reading that are on average 15 and 13 percentage points smaller than those in progressive cities. Mm -hmm. To draw their conclusions, researchers use criteria developed by independent political scientists to compare education outcomes in the 12 most progressive cities and the 12 most conservative cities. Researchers also controlled for other factors that could potentially explain different educational outcomes, including poverty rates, population size, per-pupil spending, and private school attendance. Surprisingly, none of these other variables made a difference in predicting the size of the opportunity gap. What mattered most was whether the city was conservative or progressive. In three of the most conservative cities, Anaheim, Fort Worth, and Virginia Beach, Researchers found that leaders have either closed or eliminated opportunity gaps in either reading, math, or high school graduation rates. Meanwhile, this is Nakima writing this, in our own progressive city of Minneapolis, the report showed that the shameful gap in math achievement between black and white students in K-12 is 53 percentage points, while the gap in math between brown and white students is 45 points. 
Uh, same, same with reading. Uh, compare that with conservative Jacksonville, Florida, where the reading uh, gap between black and white students is 30, and the math gap is 27. Uh, I don't read on. Keep going. It's the next paragraph. The data should cause us to wonder how it is possible that cities like Minneapolis, known for prosperity and progressive values, could continue to fail our most vulnerable children so miserably within the public school system. Stop. I can answer her. They need to look themselves in the mirror and answer this like adults. Yes. Go ahead. Give us your answer. Well, the answer is you've 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 virtually eliminated standards. You virtually eliminated expectations. Mm-hmm. You you are condescending and disingenuous. Right there, condescending yes. and disingenuous. And you skipped the paragraph I was really hoping well, you'd, here, I can do it. you'd read. Uh, it's the one right before you started reading. One might expect that politically progressive cities would be leading the way and closing the gap given the history of racial segregation and oppression oh. in this country and the rhetoric of progressives about overcoming that is basically she's saying how can these right-wing racist cities possibly educate their kids better than us the loving progressives because we know so much more we're such better people etc 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 well and 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 conservative cities don't regard students of color as some sort of chattel. They have no interest in keeping children of color as future constituents. You pandering fools of the left. I've said this a hundred million times. Black parents should be leading the charge in America to tell the left, quit doing us any favors. You're not doing us any favors. You know what we think about kids? Kids are kids. We don't give a damn what color they are. Kids are kids. When progressive leaders fail to act with a sense of urgency in addressing these highly disturbing gaps, it sends the signal that the system and its leaders are comfortable with the status quo. Yes, they are, because they've eliminated any standards. Parents and concerned students must become empowered to place demands on our public education system to make the changes that are necessary to produce positive learning outcomes. We must use our courage and frustration as fuel to be persistent in challenging the status quo. The status quo, Nakima, is you people just continuing to ask for more and more money, which has never (laughs) resulted in academic achievement. Her very last sentence. I'm getting there. All right. (laughs) Uh, we must use our outrage and frustration. Okay. Uh, every child, regardless of zip code, family composition, disability status, language, or skin color, deserves access to a quality education. And well, that's, that's tantamount to her saying that the left cannot deliver a quality education. Right. And that's what we've been saying. Yes. All along. And you finally figured it out. And you're so befuddled by it. But what is she going to do? She's not going to do anything. She's in the race industry. That's her calling. That's so her it's livelihood. Change. It's, it's her livelihood. About it, but- Mm. Well, try it, to get her on again. No, it, it's too late. I'll send her a text the right things now. we've said. Um, it, it should be interesting to see what uh, effects this report will have in the long run, even the short run. Or is it just going to? Just it's already been forgotten. Yeah, it's just going to be ignored. Just going to fly away. Yeah. It's just been forgotten. And their business as usual tactics will will continue. Uh, and like you said, they'll just keep asking for more money. I think the biggest sin the left commits is is treating children of color as less than. Right. Less than. Right. They're, it's, just, it's just pathetic. They're children. And you saps buy it. You black parents have to quit buying that. They're, your child is as valuable as any child, regardless of color or anything. 
And you, how about these disciplinary programs that these liberals keep buying into, which is, well, you know, uh, son, uh, even though you punch the teacher in the face. Just call behavior. Uh, just call behavior. Don't worry. Just why don't call you go, behavior. Why don't you just go shoot baskets for 10 minutes because you're less than a human. That's what you're telling that yeah. kid. Well, we're seeing the same thing with the judges. We had the story last week, the, yeah. the guy that ended up murdering the real estate yeah. agent. It's the same thing in the real world. Yeah. It's just a, it's a shame. It's a shame because these children of color are having a tremendous disservice uh, forced upon them, and it's it's harmful. It's harmful, 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 harmful. I got a lot of stuff today. I got a lot of emails. Oh, this kills me. Uh, then we're going to go to Johnny. We'll take a break and go to Johnny. Potholes popping up, popping up with January freeze-thaw cycle. I got news for you. They were there before the freeze thaw. Right, right. This is nothing They're new. left over from last year. This is year. making all the newscasts yeah. now. Until, oh, it's pothole season. Oh, Are you kidding a, me? Yeah. There's a ton of fresh ones, both directions of 94, between Maple Grove and Alexandria. I saw the... My goodness. Cling to the right, folks. Cling to the right. <laughs> I saw a great wow. bumper sticker the other day, and all it said was, not drunk, just avoiding potholes. Yeah. <laughs> and this just happened. When was the last time I went up? Two weeks ago. It just happened in the last two weeks, and my goodness, is that road rough now. Wow. Imagine my surprise <laughs> when the plows <laughs> came through Sunday morning. Saw your tweet. When everything was frozen solid. Yeah. <laughs> Where were they Saturday when everything was the consistency of pea soup? And they could have accomplished something. <laughs> on Sunday, the plows were just bouncing the, the didn't accomplish a thing. <laughs> they even made note of it in the newspaper on Saturday, <laughs> warning St. Paul that the plows were going to come through again. Did you get your paper? I had to go out and get them. Was he having hot dogs again? I didn't see him. Going no. a burrito? Uh, didn't see him. But uh, the speed limit on my street right now is about one and a half mile an hour. <laughs> Otherwise, the car will disintegrate. Right. <laughs> and along came the plow. Imagine my surprise. We're going to be back with John Heights News. <laughs> Haven't heard this one before. This. <laughs> Here's a man who spends hours like in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Sushere. Oh, yeah, Johnny. You guys usually wait until about Thursday or Friday before you become unbearably irritating, but I just like that you're jumping yeah, right into right, it on yeah, Monday. Get, to Monday. get a head start yeah. today, right? In uh, news, I do want to uh, pass along one sports note that I just saw. I didn't know this. And this should make it very interesting. Major League Baseball this year. Uh, you know how NFL referees explain things over the mic? Yeah. They're now going to have umpires. Oh, dear God. <laughs> After, imagine no, Joe no, West. No. Joe West up there. And then, uh, you know, you got to go. <laughs> he was sliding there and went over to base. Uh, so uh, that, that should be interesting. They'll, they'll tell fans in attendance and everybody watching on TV oh. and listening on radio if reviewed calls are upheld or overturned. And uh, they also probably will explain rules. If necessary. Oh, so. Earl, you ain't no good either. <laughs> man, man, hu- human, human people us. are determined to wreck baseball. Yeah. They're just determined to. I, for one, like it. Yeah. But they're trying <laughs> so hard to be football. I don't get it. Because you're dealing with a populace that has no attention span. Oh, here's a question for you. Do you see that video uh, that was uh, running yesterday of Ploof in the dugout pointing to his number on his back? Yeah. So baseball players can pick their number, and he picked his because of Kobe. Yeah, he's a Southern California guy. Oh, that was cool. Why did he? Why did Kobe have two numbers? Yeah. Wasn't I, he also eight? Yeah, he started out as number eight. I forget the reason why he switched his number. 
I don't, I don't know the answer to Who, that. Where was he drafted out of college? He, he didn't play. He came right from high school. Right from high school, right into college. Did he ever play for the Bulls? No. no. He only played for the Lakers, and he came out of high school because he saw what it did for uh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. And I seem to remember him and uh, Shaq not getting along too well, two different approaches to the game. Did they ever patch that up? Uh, kind of, but I know Shaq had some thoughtful tweets he sent out yeah. yesterday yeah. Uh, about Kobe. The helicopter carrying Kobe Bryant and eight others that did crash into that hillside outside L.A. was flying in foggy conditions, considered dangerous enough that local police agencies grounded their choppers. Uh, It plunged into the hillside about 9.45 a.m. Sunday morning local time, scattered debris over an area the size of a football field, and killed all on board. The accident unleashed an outpouring of grief from admirers around the world. The 41-year-old Bryant, who perished with his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, was one of the game's most popular players, face of the Lakers for uh, many years. The cause of the death still unknown. Conditions at the time, though, were such that uh, the police department, as I said, had grounded their helicopters. Los Angeles County Medical Examiner said the rugged terrain complicated efforts to recover remains. He estimated it would take at least a couple more days to complete the task uh, before identifications can be made. Now, his helicopter left Santa Ana in Orange County, south of L.A., shortly after 9 in the morning and circled for a time just east of Interstate 5 near Glendale. Air traffic controllers noted poor visibility around Burbank, just to the north, and Van Nuys to the northwest. After holding up the helicopter for other aircraft, they cleared the Sikorsky S-76 to proceed north along Interstate 5 through Burbank before turning west to follow U.S. Route 101, the Ventura Highway. Shortly after 9.40, the helicopter turned again toward the southeast, climbed to more than 2,000 feet. It then descended and crashed into the hillside at about 1,400 feet. When it hit the ground, the helicopter flying at about 184 miles an hour mm. and descending at a rate of more than 4,000 feet per minute. Chopper went down in Calabas, about 30 miles northwest of downtown Los Angeles. Uh, federal transportation safety investigators on their way to the scene yesterday. Among other things, they'll look at the pilot's history, the chopper's maintenance records, and the records of its owner and operator. Well, uh, based on what Ken told us, uh, they might have known they were in trouble, but they didn't know what hit them. They, right, weren't, they right, experienced right. no pain. No. I have a journalism question. Here I am. I want to ask what I asked off the air, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were bringing up the 2003 incident mm-hmm. with Kobe um, as people were paying their respects to him. And I'm wondering what is or is not appropriate with something like that. I think common sense. I, I personally would not bring up that on that occasion. Sure. Yeah. Not on that day. A Washington Post reporter did, and she's been placed on administrative leave. There were, not, and she wasn't alone. There were other reporters well, I, I mean, out there I, that that's were doing That's not it. necessary to do on a day like this. Yeah. Here's the deal, though, with Kobe and with um, the vast majority of all of us. Uh, we were all a, a lot different when we were teenagers and in our 20s than we are now when we're all grown up. And uh, I, kids. I'm a bit appalled at some of my own. Ba- I, you know, it was nothing... I wasn't accused of anything, but uh, if you know. he was on a helicopter with eight hookers, you might bring it up. I'm not being facetious, right. but he was on there with his family and family friends and coaches and daughters, and, and as, it has no place to and be. And as up. he's grown up, he's proven yeah. to be a hell of a guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did go directly from high school to uh, and, and the you, NBA. you can't. Oh, I know that. I want to know why he had two numbers with the Lakers. What was he? Forty-five and 41 41 mm-hmm. yeah how can you judge a 41 year old on what he did 20 years ago move on 
A 14-year-old girl is stable after she was shot Sunday afternoon in St. Paul's West Side. St. Paul Police Department spokesman Mike Ernster said officers dispatched around 4.15 in the afternoon to the area of South Robert and Cesar Chavez streets on a report of a female being shot. Four o'clock in the afternoon? Mm -hmm. I was at that intersection today. Hmm. Did you get shot? Nope. Officers arriving on the scene found the 14-year-old girl who had a gunshot wound to the abdomen. She's in Regents Hospital in stable condition. Officers are gathering evidence on scene and piercing together what may have led to the shooting. No arrests reported so far. Where where is that? West side. Uh, picture Robert Street coming out of St. Paul. Go south on Robert Street, and you're going to hit Cesar Chavez Boulevard. Over the river. Yeah. Oh, okay. Over by um, right, right down. El Burrito Mercado in that area. Got you. Minnesota, for the first time in almost 30 years, will hold presidential primaries in March instead of precinct caucuses. And that change has some government leaders with nonpartisan jobs a little concerned. One of the new requirements to vote in the primary is a declaration of party preference. Stillwater Mayor Ted Kozlowski told our TV affiliate 5 Eyewitness News that requirement will keep him on the sidelines come voting day. He said, I'm not going to vote on primary day because I'm not sure it's in the best interest of Stillwater. I have to work with people on both sides of the aisle to get things done for Stillwater, and I want to keep it that way and avoid partisan politics. Kozlowski said he works closely with the state rep from Stillwater, who's a DFL member, as well as a Republican state senator who represents his city. He says regardless of the letters that come after their names, I have to work together with these folks. Chaska Mayor Mark Winchittle told KSDP he agrees with Kozlowski's position, said he's worried the declaration requirement will not be kept private in violation of federal and state laws. What are you doing over there, Papa Joe? Hey, really? Okay, Switch. Kobe Switch. Star switch oh. to number two. I've had it for yeah, a while okay. here, but I'm just waiting well, for it. What are you I'm letting me for, do this for? I'm waiting for a nice, polite time to interrupt the newsman. <laughs> I need it now. The Lakers Star Switch to number 24 in the 06 7 season, the number he had in high school at Laura Marion. While he was the same player in both jerseys, the Lakers Star explained the different mentality between the two eras. When I first came in at eight, uh, is really trying to plant your flag sort of thing, Brian said. Uh, I've, uh, I got that all on, on tape. Excellent. It's Thank Joe you. Joe working at the laptop, <laughs> hammering <laughs> keys. I, I walk every day. <laughs> according, to, <laughs> according to an unpublished manuscript by former advisor John Bolton, President Trump uh, told him in August 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Bless Why you? didn't you get that? Excuse me. What the wow. hell? Mother of God. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Hope it ain't that corona. Uh, are you oh, uh, corona? Are you, Joe's got the corona. I get the feeling that you're setting us up for uh, something on Wednesday on, where you yeah. might not. Uh, I'm not faking this. <laughs> got me a cold. Kenny, are you talking about the beer show live happy hour at well, 30 Bales Restaurant? All, we all agreed to go hang out, and we're going to bring stuff to throw at you while you sit on stage and uh, basically harass you and make your life a living hell. Uh, but I, I think Such might uh, might be... Just like Sid, he's setting up the loss. I no, think he's I, working I on a plan. not to get, make other people ill. Well, you're here today. Well, he was Friday, and that's why I'm sick. I am not sick. Yeah. Yeah, now you're not. You're funny. cured. <laughs> yeah, thank well. you. Uh, do you need your mic sock back again? I no, I have my own. Table talk, use it this weekend. <laughs> anyway, are you, a hanky, are you a hanky guy or Kleenex guy? Kleenex. So you don't pull it out of your pocket and then uh, shove it back in? No, I, gooey yeah, that always is just put disgusting. Put it right in here, right in your shirt. <laughs> like my grandma? Yes. Uh, back to the news. You know that virus, the coronavirus? Yeah. yeah. 
It was traced to an animal market in Wuhan. Yeah. They're called wet markets yeah. as opposed to uh, dry markets where there would be non-perishable items. Right. These are live snakes and pigs and chickens. As and Gabe said and... yesterday, the Chinese people need to stop eating bats and snakes. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's all they got, Gabe. Well, who, who are we to tell them what to eat? Well, he's a thir- 15-year-old kid, so he just, oh. he said, that's where a it light, comes from. A light bulb went off over yeah, his he head. Said, and stop he's... eating bats and family, snakes. Family, family, I've got the I've got the topic for tonight's podcast. <laughs> yes. There was a, uh, yeah, our buddy John Sharkman on Twitter, he, he was traveling two weeks ago or so. I think he was in Cambodia or somewhere in, in the open market. There was vegetables and there were rats mm-hmm. to eat that they were selling. And I think he put under there, I think I'll have the vegetables. Let's go through the They, they were yeah. just laid out just like you'd lay out a you know, yeah. whatever fish. Hey, or, you or, can make them. You can get them grilled yeah. up. I'm still trying to figure out who in this town is buying all the raccoon meat. I don't know. There's a hell of a market somewhere in this town. People can I are, Google that? People are buying raccoon meat. That's a meat. delicacy. Yeah. Really? I think so. Oof. What does it taste like? Chicken. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's just skip the rest of that story. Why bother? <laughs> From BabylonB.com. Yes. This just in. New smart doorbell will argue with Jehovah's Witnesses, LDS missionaries, <laughs> for you. That's pretty funny. The ability of the new uh, coronavirus, uh, since we're talking about to spread, is strengthening, and infections could continue to rise. And according to China's National Health Commission, Health authorities around the world are racing to prevent a pandemic after a handful of cases of infection were reported outside of China. The mayor of Wuhan, the epicenter of the outbreak, said he expected another 1,000 new patients in the city, which is stepping up construction of special hospitals. Newly identified coronavirus has created alarm because, well, they don't know a lot about it, such as how dangerous is it and how easily it spreads. It can cause pneumonia, which has been deadly in some cases. Yeah, but only if you're old. Well, no, actually not true. That's Sorry. what I read. What do you mean by old? Well, it said that the, the, the people that have passed because of the pneumonia cases, well, they're, yeah, they're the elderly. Well, yeah, the ones that died from but you can get it at any age. It doesn't okay. matter. Yeah. China's National Health Commission Minister, Ma Jiwei, said the incubation period for the virus could range from 1 to 14 days, during which the infection could occur. Uh, so you could have it, uh, obviously, and not know. For two weeks. Here's uh, from Patrick Hale, the Flashlight King. Hail you. On Friday's show, you talked about the coronavirus origin in comparison to the SARS outbreak. While SARS originated in Guangdong province, roughly 612 miles south of Wuhan, they hold a suspected common origin in what are called wet markets. There you go. Wet markets are perishable food markets compared to dry markets that sell non-perishable items, electronics, fabrics, etc., that commonly hold live animals, dead animals, produce, and butcher shops all in close proximity. Like many zoonotic diseases transferred from animals to humans, like many zoonotic influenzas, coronavirus is suspected to have come from bats, which infected poultry, which uh, have infected humans. Last fact, which is not so much fun as just interesting, is coral. Coronavirus is a subfamily of viruses that includes SARS-CoV, Severe uh, Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus. What we are experiencing now has been deemed novel coronavirus or Wuhan coronavirus as a placeholder until further research can be conducted and revise a new name similar to what happened with SARS. Patrick, writing from Alaska. Huh? Any cases here in Minnesota? Yep. Uh, well, they have uh, announced, you know, let me find, I just found the story. Uh, two people thought they had it, do not have it. Oh. So uh, the two 
You're, you're going to be okay, Joe. You don't have it. I think he no, no longer has to worry about uh, any relatives living in Chicago due to the fact that it's things going everywhere. <laughs> uh, here's a tough way to go. A woman died while taking part in a cake-eating competition that celebrated Australia Day. Parents, what? I'll tell you what. There's not much in Australia that won't kill you. Yeah, <laughs> including now point. cakes. <laughs> Paramedics were just cooking. one more bite. What she do? Right. Shovel it in there so <laughs> yeah, fast she choked to death. Honest to God, Joe. Wafer thin mint, sir. You, you, I'll, you'll see in a minute. You have the exact quote. Hang on one sec. Paramedics were called to a pub in the state of Queensland on Sunday afternoon after a woman was involved in what they called a medical incident. Public broadcaster ABC, that's not our ABC, it's a different ABC, reported the 60-year-old had a seizure. Quote. After she shoveled a, la- <laughs> a, Literally. La- a lamington into her mouth. A lamington is a traditional Australian dessert. Cube-shaped sponge cakes dipped in chocolate They've, and covered in coconut. Have you seen the Monty Python skit where the guy actually blows up? No. I eat one more thing, I'll explode. <laughs> Just a wafer thin mint, sir. <laughs> the woman was rushed to a hospital <laughs> in the coastal town of Hervey Bay, but later died. She was a contestant in the Beach House Hotel's annual Australia Day Lamington and Meat Pie Eating Contest. So what, she, she choked to death? Is that what Appa- happened? Apparently, yeah. I, I don't understand. So did did but, she uh, lose? She lost. Yeah. <laughs> she lost. Kay. They look good, though. She lost. Pl- uh, you look at the Lamingtons, are yeah. you? Lamington? Look up the lady instead. Police. Who cares what she looks like? Police said the death was not suspicious. A report would be prepared for the coroner. So how did we lose Helen? Well, well, she was at the pub, and uh, they had that cake eating contest. She's eating she a shovel in there. It in. <laughs> Peeled right over. Chowing down a meat pie. Yeah, whatever the hell that is. A bill in Vermont. Can you get, can you get those up? At, up at Groundhogs? No. Spence sell meat pies. I don't think he does. He probably does, yeah. A bill in Vermont <laughs> would take vanity license plates into new territory with the introduction of emojis. Oh, man. State Representative Rebecca White, a Democrat from Windsor, Vermont, introduced the proposal to let drivers add one of six available emojis to their license plate. Her bill went before the Committee on Transportation last week. The symbols would not replace letters or numbers assigned by the Commissioner of Motor Vehicles, nor those selected by vehicle's owner. At this point, it's unclear what the new plates would look like or what emojis would be allowed. Of the state's current vanity plates, the most expensive for cars and trucks in the state is uh, the Conservation Series, which carries a $26 annual fee. Jameson would like you to uh, drink whiskey for breakfast. The distiller announced Jameson Cold Brew. A triple distilled blend of whiskey and fair trade bean brew coffee roasted in what they call coffee richness with hints of toasted oak and dark chocolate, according to Jameson's website. Uh, it's 70 proof. If you like that for breakfast. For breakfast? That's not, uh, that's not wise. The new brew will be available for pre-order Saturday. Well, at let's, re- let's hear them out. Jameson, <laughs> Jameson would like to get you to 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> the new brew will be available for pre-order this Saturday, and it costs about $37 for a 750-milliliter bottle. Bars and participating restaurants will start serving it next week. Jameson, not the first brand to hop on the cold brew train. Jägermeister and Sky. Is that vodka? Yes, yeah, Sky Vodka. Have released alcohol coffee blends, and Pepsi and Coca-Cola now have cold brew cola mixers for non-drinkers. Okay. 
While Jamison's sales dipped slightly when professional mixed martial artist and boxer Conor McGregor unveiled his proper number 12 brand in 2018, it's still the top-selling Irish whiskey in the U.S., selling more than 7 million cases in 2018. Well, as long as you're on that topic, hail the flashlight king. Hail you! A long time ago, during the time of the plague in Europe, there lived a man called Arnold of Soissons. He was an abbot in a monastery. It was also a brewer of beer. Mm. He somehow figured out that fewer people died from the plague and other causes when they drank his beer as opposed to when they drank the local water. We now know this to be due to brewers boiling the water they use in brewing. For obvious reasons, he became a hero and later a saint, notably the patron saint of beer brewing and hops pickers. Thus, by all reasonable logic, beer consumption prevents coronavirus and honors a saint. If on Wednesday at 30 bales you drink some beer and come home to the CP giving you the look, you may explain that you are not only preventing coronavirus, but are honoring St. Arnold. That might work. Once. Also, (laughs) I will neither confirm nor deny being hammered, but I was recently in the woods, but not looking for Bigfoot. However, I did see an equally rare sight. An overweight cross-country skier. He was not only blurry, but he was making funny noises. Hail the Volk Bert. Uh, I don't know if St. Arnold has a feast day, but let's go with January 28th. That'd be tomorrow. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like that. St. Arnold, the patron saint of brewers and hop, hop, hops pickers. Hops pickers. Hops pickers. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. What? Can you repeat yourself? Huh? Say what? What? Do what now? This This guy guy wears wears many many hats, hats. just not indoors. Oh my God, you deaf hooplehead. Put a suppressor on that muzzle and save what hearing you have left. DK Mags. What are you talking about? Com in New Brighton and Monticello. Uh, pawn and gun, they have what, what you hoopleheads, what you would call silencers. Yeah. So I call them a suppressor. We call them uh, suppressors <laughs> because you. they actually quiet down that barking firearm and they back it down to a tolerable decibel. And it's not like it's not like the movies you've all seen James Bond. It's nothing like Doesn't that. Doesn't it go, yeah, cute little spit. No, no. Uh, but it is actually enough to quiet them down so you don't do future harm to your ears. And I can tell you, you're thinking, oh, it's a it's really expensive. It's a lot cheaper than hearing aids. Have you priced hearing aids? Oh my goodness! What? Uh, exactly. And I'd actually like a few suppressors for my 22s because that's what I'm uh, always shooting. The, the guys at DK Mags they have a wonderful variety of suppressors for all calibers. They have a, actually they have a wonderful variety of everything at DK Mags and Monticello Pond and Gun. The price is tolerable. The staff members. Really, the most chill group of guys I've ever met, and the chill group that you'll ever meet in a gun shop, with the best knowledge base that I've encountered. And to make it better, they're GLers. That means when you stroll in, be sure to brag. Say, hey, 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 GL sent me. And you know what? They're going to give you a little something for the effort. Or as I call it, a lovely parting gift. Just ask for it. We're all GLers at DKMags.com in New Brighton and Monticello Pawn and Gun. Huh? Prince Charles what? Prince Charles flew 16,000 miles in just 11 days using three private jets and one helicopter before proudly posing with Greta Thunberg in Davos. <laughs> After an impassioned speech on climate uh, last Wednesday, he took a fourth private jet from Switzerland to Israel. 
His flight totaled over 16,000 miles in less than a fortnight, an estimated cost of 280 grand to the taxpayer. Oh. Uh, you know what that is? That's a groin kick. That deserves this. Now, Chuck, fly all you want around on private jets, but you're disqualified as a lecturer. That's why you got your groin kicked. On a trip to uh, Davos, he met Greta Thunberg and used an electric Jaguar car to travel to the Swiss resort. Well, that's, that's good. Uh, and then he's urging the people to take bold action. Then he gets on about the fourth private trip in as many nights. The hell with this guy. Groin kick him. Travel all you want uh, on your private uh, means, but you don't get to lecture anybody. You just don't get to. You're just done. It's over. You don't get to. Rookie, how, how long is a fortnight? It's about two weeks, mate. I made a mistake in reporting on a CI girl last week. Uh, Lisa Gunderson, uh, as an avid, uh, she said, uh, reporting ain't what it used to be. I'm happy you read my CI excitement on Friday's podcast, but my name is Lisa, not Linda. All right. The, she's the one with the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 1968 Dodge, Dodge Charger RT. Hmm. It's Lisa. I said Linda. She ah, okay. correctly points out that reporting isn't what it, what it used to be. Uh, if you're going through, uh, are you going through emails right now? Yeah, I have some beauties. Well, let, me, uh, let me come to your defense. Yeah. For some reason, and I don't remember why, but we were talking manure a week or so ago. Manure. Yeah. It's manure. Yeah. And uh, the, the phrase, uh, it smells like money. I said that. It smells like money. You said that, and you gave a reason why, and I didn't question you on that because I knew what you were talking about, but then we received an email a day or two later. I think it was from Downing. And boy, did he take you to task for saying that, and both of you and I knew why you said that, and then today- Because farmers sell the stuff. The Star Tribune printed another article, another Mr. Downing- uh, the headline, and this is what really sells it, biogas from manure <laughs> smells like, like money. money. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Uh, you can rest your case on that one. I got a boy. great note from uh, Aaron Hanlon in, uh, from the Panhandle of Florida. I'm a semi-truck driver of many years. Even with all our advances in diesel engine design and efficiency, most big rigs only get about 5 to 9 miles per gallon. Part of this is the government-forced emission requirements on today's diesel engines. Things like exhaust filters, diesel exhaust fluid, and flow-restrictive components all aimed at making trucks cleaner for the environment and zero emissions at at idle. It all sounds good, but I've been told by several mechanics that with today's engine technology, if we didn't have all that stuff, trucks would be averaging more like 7 to 14 miles per gallon. Doesn't sound like a lot, I know, but it is huge when you think of all the trucks on the road and each truck's hundreds of thousands of miles or millions of miles. In the end, exhaust filters collect particulates. When it gets full, a parked regeneration is required. This superheats the filter in the exhaust over a course of 30 to 60 minutes while the truck is parked, and the engine winds out nonstop the entire time near max RPM. 
The superheating incinerates the particulates, and then guess what happens? It all gets blown right out the stack anyway. Mm -hmm. This consumes a ton of fuel, results in getting zero miles per gallon while the engine roars in the entire time, and the exhaust pipes and hot gases get so hot you can't park anywhere near anything while it's going on. Some trucks have caught fire or burned other things around them, such as trees, signs, and buildings. While this is going on, it's best to stand far away from the truck as possible as the smell in and around the truck is (laughs) nauseating, but that's government for you. Thanks, and always pushing back air on the uh, panhandle of Florida. Boy, I just learned a lot. And then while you were talking, I looked up diesel exhaust fluid because I thought we were being pranked. And uh, it's a real deal and uh, very interesting, uh, the Wikipedia page is, anyway. Well, his point being, you know, if the government's rushing in to help you, you're in trouble. Uh, you're just in trouble. Joe, on your uh, January 23rd podcast, you mentioned the opposition to the pro-life movie Unplanned. Mr. FYI, John Haidt reported that Mike Lindell of My Pillow may run for the governor of Minnesota. There is a link between the two stories. Mike Lindell was an executive producer of the unplanned movie and appeared in the movie as the demolition man tearing down the Planned Parenthood sign at the end of the movie. As the campaign for governor progresses, watches the pro-death opposition organizes against him. Height's story of South Dakota Senator John Wilkes' bill banning the banning of plastic bags, that was the ban on the ban, also caught my interest. I was John's pastor when I was a pastor in Henry, South Dakota. I officiated at his wedding. John hosted a local talk show on KSDR. His show followed the broadcast of Garage Logic on KSDR radio in the early 2000s. Mm. It was from KSDR that I was first exposed to Garage Logic and have been following the show online and now the podcast since moving from South Dakota in 04 to Stetsonville, Wisconsin. Uh, Richard Russo. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. No, he must be talking about John the Senator, I'm assuming. Wasn't it a. Was the politician in South Dakota? Was his name John? Oh, I thought it was you. I did. Well, when you said it, I did too. And I thought I. I, I sure, was, he's referring to. He was I'm, the pastor for John Wilkes's wedding. Yes. Not I'm, yours. I'm from North Dakota, not South Dakota. Plus, you had one of those shotgun deals, right? I, shotgun I weddings? I did not have a shotgun wedding. No. <laughs> that was me. A judge, Benny Graff, actually married me. Yeah, so. well, okay. Well, close enough. Hey, there you go. Uh, hail the flashlight kid. Hail, hail you. you. I just heard you read uh, frequent contributor Downing's comments on the metal detectors at the state fair. He missed an important point. You can buy about any type of view- knife you want once you're inside the fairgrounds. That's a, yeah, I forgot you really about can. that. Yeah, That's, up on that. What's yes. that area called over there? Heritage Grand Square. St- oh yeah, Heritage Square. Yeah, oh, Heritage yeah, Square is long gone. It's not Heritage well, Square. It's got it a new name. But, West, uh, same place. Westgate. West End. West End. Is that where the Blue Barn is? Yes. That, that used area? to be a teen yeah. area. Yeah. That area is really cool. It is. Uh, and, How many uh, more days till the fair? Uh, Terry submits, <laughs> a great living American. I am not certain if the category of great living American is limited to World War II veterans. No, it is not. But if I, uh, but if not, I have a candidate for the group we lost last month. whose obituary appears in the Sunday, January 26 Pioneer Press, but it lacks some fascinating information about Mr. Eddie Oswald. Eddie was born in East Germany until sometime... Uh, in the late teens, circa night. Well, you wrote this poorly, Terry. My friend Eddie was born in East Germany, and I'm going to have to interpret what he meant, and lived there until sometime in his late teens, circa 1963. At that point, he escaped to the West in a frightening episode involving climbing the wall in East Berlin, crossing an open area, diving into the river while guards and towers were shooting. Eddie once told me he believes the shooters missed intentionally. 
He dove under the mid-river barbed wire fence where his jacket containing his identification became entangled. Leaving the jacket behind, he swam to the west. Without ID, he underwent heavy interrogation as a suspected spy. Ultimately cleared, he made his way into the west and eventually to the U.S. as a legal immigrant. Eddie was an extremely hard worker. He built a successful landscaping and lawn irrigation company in the east metro of the Twin Cities. He was known to be able to repair anything mechanical. He was genuinely likable, had a great smile, and he never lost his German accent. Most important for my nomination is that Eddie deeply felt the blessing of a free America. Having grown up under communism, he would bristle at some of the euphorian sentiments expressed in our news these days. Eddie would shake his head and say something to the effect that these people don't know what they are asking for. I will miss Eddie, and our country is truly lost a great living immigrant American. Mm-hmm. Eddie Oswald? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Eddie Oswald. Mm-hmm. Mr. Eddie Oswald. There are great living Americans waiting to serve you at Spencer Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. Let's go. On the north end of Hugo on Highway 61, it's the uh, Garage Logic meat capital of the world. Right now, Spencer's featuring 14 kinds of summer sausage, wild rice, cheddar, dill pickle, garlic, cranberry wild rice, jalapeno, hot pepper cheese, fresh pork belly, and side pork, mm. oven ready, pre made meatloaf. And for the dogs, gotta have something for the dog. Raw and smoked dog bones and pig's ears. And uh, you're fixing some soup? How about oxtails, beef shanks, pork hocks, fresh and smoked, pork neck bones. And also a new brat, the beer cheese brat. Pork, beer cheese, cheese curds, bacon, green onion, cheddar cheese, all that you ever want for your grilling needs is at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in uh, downtown Hugo, right on Highway 61. You can't miss it. they got the great GL sign right out front. And don't forget, they have that 130 different flavors of pork brats. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. You know what we're supposed to do now? What? Cut back on emailing to lower our carbon footprint. How does that? How? how? Uh, Because, uh, yeah, you got your data storage uh, facilities. uh, They're plugged into the outlet, and they have to grow and hold more of your uh, emails. And uh, this is like you know, this is like telling us to fly less. Well, wait a minute, that plane is going to go anyway. Yeah, they're called cyber landfills. So no, there's no limit to the hysteria. Here's Johnny Height. Thank you, Joe. Minnesota Department of Health said Monday that two Minnesotans who had been evaluated for a possible coronavirus infection had negative results. Health officials say the immediate risk to the American public is currently low. However, they said the situation is quickly evolving. More cases in the U.S. are possible. On Monday, China expanded sweeping efforts to contain the viral disease by extending the Lunar New Year holiday to keep the public at home and avoid spreading infection as the death toll in China rose to 81. It was a big weekend for Minnesota State Lottery players with a $1 million ticket, $90,000 ticket, and $50,000 winning ticket sold. Boy. Lottery said a Powerball ticket bought from a Speedway in Coon Rapids was a $1 million winner. Goodness. Another ticket came close to winning the Powerball jackpot, matching four of five numbers drawn the Powerball also to win $50,000. That was purchased at a Gas Plus in Minneapolis. Nearly eight years after voters rejected a proposed so, cut. What are you doing? I, I'm having one, trouble two, with my three. headphones. One, two, three. Well, I got her. We're going. You're using five dollar sure. pairs of yeah. headphones. Yeah. Spend so a they, little they money. Would, they'd work better. So they're not. Re- well, Joe. yeah. 
Yeah, I got you, John. <laughs> John, hit me with the news. <laughs> Nearly eight years after voters rejected a proposed constitutional amendment to require a photo ID to vote, Republicans in control of the Senate are renewing a push for the law in the upcoming legislative session. The constitutional amendment failed back in 2012 with 51% of Minnesotans opposed. But in a video posted to Twitter on Friday, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelta, uh, Gazelka said he didn't think it was clear in people's minds what they were actually trying to do back then. So we're going to push hard this year to say if you're voting, you have to have an ID to vote. Why? Why is that opposed? What's What's the problem? You need a You need an ID to buy a pack of cigarettes. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't Joe know. is my name. Yep. Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, what's the What's it's the opposition by the left? They'll well, say, "Yo, you're disenfranchising people who don't have an ID." Then get a bleeping ID. Well, think of it this way: they want to be able eventually to vote with your computer. So no, I don't like that. When do I have to have this new ID to fly around? The October first. It's really easy to do. I did it two weeks ago. What if I can't find my uh, birth certificate? We'll get a new one. Where were you born? Uh, in a hospital that's no longer in business. Well, but the county would Minneapolis have your... Swedish Hospital. But I the, have no idea. The county. Was... The county. Lars. Would... Lars. Yeah. <laughs> if you call Lars, you're going to the file cabinet. Is that what HCMC turned into, or is it? Uh, is that what Abbott turned into? Now, there's no record of you being born. <laughs> Why do you have such a complicated existence? I don't know. Hennepin <laughs> County Labor yeah. and Statistics. Yeah. The and they will have a microfiche of your... sounds like a pain in the ass. Do you need a tax uh, thing, too? Something about your taxes? Uh, you can take something for an address. I just took two things with my address, and they were both... Now, if uh, I get this new account. ID, can I drive from here to Alaska without any hassle from the commies at the border? You need a passport. You probably still need a passport to cross a different country. Yeah. Oh, for the love of... Yeah, but when I went to <laughs> travel at the airport, come October, you will need that ID. Or your passport. Well, your passport supersedes everything. Much like John Hyde, I'll probably never get on a plane again. Really? Yeah, Ironically, I, I got the new ID coming in the mail. I did it two weeks Because ago. he's going to fly. I doubt it. but <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. A uh, horrible story in Alabama. The fire chief in Scottsboro, Alabama, says at least eight people were killed in an explosive fire that consumed 35 vessels along the Tennessee River. Wow. Scottsboro Fire Chief Gene Nicholas said all eight people known to be missing were confirmed dead, and he said that number could go up because they're not sure how many people were actually on the boats. At least seven people were sent to hospitals suffering from exposure to the frigid water or from the flames. The fire quickly consumed the dock as people were sleeping, cutting off escape routes and raining debris down on the area. Nicholas said about 35 boats were destroyed, some of them sinking at the dock, others floating away before going under. He said divers need to locate each one and search them individually to be sure. Boaters jumped into the water to escape an explosive fire that consumed the vessels along the Tennessee. Authorities said there were fatalities. The blaze reported shortly after midnight as people living in the boats were sleeping. Mm. It consumed the dock and an aluminum roof immediately. It's a strange story. I need glasses for this one. Hang on. Here we go. Augusta, Georgia. Moms have come to the defense of a mother who said she was asked to cover up while breastfeeding inside a Chick-fil-A in Georgia. Members held a nurse-in during the week at the fast food restaurant near Augusta, Georgia. Lamantha McIntosh said she was breastfeeding her seven-month-old daughter in a booth with her nine-year-old niece at the restaurant when a manager approached. She said the manager told her there was a complaint and asked her to cover herself up. McIntosh posted on Facebook, and now with half the restaurant watching this scene unfold, including my niece, I have a decision to make. 
So I quickly unlatch and tell the manager I'll finish feeding her later. But as I sat there in the family restaurant, I started to simmer. I'll admit it, I got angry. Their Facebook post has been uh, shared more than thousands of, uh, more than a thousand times. A spokesperson for the Georgia-based company said in the email that the operator of the franchise has apologized to McIntosh. Ms. McIntosh uh, had in our restaurant, I am truly sorry for that experience, said Jason Adams, the owner-operator. I've reached out to her to personally apologize. My goal is to provide a warm and welcoming environment for all of our guests. Jessica Gangish, who helped to organize the nurse-in, which was held Tuesday, said whoever complained about the issue in the first place is the part of the problem. Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters. Mm-hmm. James Brown. Yep. Uh-huh. I believe Sharon Stone. Didn't she say, say she was from really? Augusta? I, I think so. No, no. The person who complained not only part of the problem is, is the problem. The problem, and that person should have be said uh, told if you don't like it you can leave. And leave leave everybody knows just leave the moms alone. Never bothered me. No, let the moms do her thing because then the kid'll shut up and if the kid is happy, we're all happy. Mm-hmm. Sharon was from Meadville, Pennsylvania. Oh, I'm completely wrong on that then. Probably another it, actress it, similar to her, I bet. Maybe. And it's the last thing. What did I say, Sharon Stone? Sharon Stone. Yeah. Oh, no, I meant... Uh, <laughs> Susan Sharon, Sarandon. No, Sharon I meant... Sharon Osborne. No, Sharon... Uh, the, Sharon Sharalike. The singer. Cher. 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 Sharon Jones. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon Jones. Jones. That's who I meant. That's Sharon exactly Jones. Yeah. Kings. Not Sharon Stone. No. Sharon Jones, the late great. Yep. The late great Sharon Jones. I think you're right. Didn't she tell I you that? I think she told us she, she told was from Augusta. That. Yeah. Sharon. She left the, us uh, way too early. She was too cool. Yeah. In, the, in the classic 1980s movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is that correct? Yes, Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Boy, my mind is a trap, right. isn't it? Sometimes it gets yeah. off the wrong track. Right, but. right. Young protagonist Ferris recommends picking up a Ferrari 250 GT California Spider if you have the means because, quote, it is so choice. Who says this? Ferris Bueller. Yeah. In the movie. Oh, yeah. While you may not want to take the advice uh, of Bueller, he was right on one point at least. The genuine article, meaning a real 250 GT California, is a drop-dead classic worth millions of dollars. The 1985 Modena Spider is a Modena. Yeah, I want to say it right. Yeah, Spider California, better known to the better known to the world as one of the three Ferrari replicas used in the movie, is nearly as uh, good thanks to its movie fame and now has sold for three hundred ninety six thousand dollars last weekend at the Barrett Jackson Scottsdale auction. It is Modena because when Ferris Bueller talked about it, he called it the funky cold Modena. As the story goes, the movie's director, John Hughes. Do you remember that line in your steel trap of no, a mind? I don't. No, you don't. Mm. He was too busy looking at the car. You get you get the reference, right? Yep. I've seen the house uh, where that where that happened. Do you really? know? Oh, yeah. You know what Funky Cold Medina is? I don't. Do you get that reference? No, I don't. It's a music reference. I'm I'm sorry. I'm behind the times. Tone Loke. Is Tone Loke? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I tried to watch the Grammys. No, no, no. You'd have to be behind the times yeah. to get that reference. Because oh. it's about 30 years old. It's old. Uh, the Grammys uh, are really a not-a-must-see event. Right. I, I, didn't last, know, I didn't know who any of the people were. I lasted John, about give us, five minutes. give us your review, John, because you I, really uh, ripped them off the air. Well, I, I watched. I, we were flipping around, so I saw a third to a half of them, perhaps. And every production number was gigantic and, and horrible. Yeah. Uh, the rock stuff, the Aerosmith stuff was awful. Steve, Steven Tyler sounded awful. I think they the, were out of key. Usher, yeah, it sounded. And when he pl- Joe Perry played that yeah. solo, it sounded like he was playing in the wrong key. Do you right. know the controversy then, about their drummer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they fired him. 
Usher yeah. was miserable in the Prince tribute. Uh, he's he's got a range as the old joke goes from the note A to the note B. That's, right. So that's not really what I covered. heard this morning. It's, oh, he was awful. Friends up the hall said it's pretty good. They're yeah, nuts. but they don't have any standards. <laughs> <laughs> it made you wish Prince was there to sing those songs because did Usher this, was uh, the, he did the splits though, right? That's well, gotta, yeah, he did the dancing. That's got to count for something. But he was really stiff dancing compared to say Prince or James Brown or you know. Okay, but well, rock and roll is all but vanished from these things. That's true. The only thing rock and roll was Aerosmith. And that was dreadful. Uh, they, there was a cool, uh, my favorite part was only a minute and a half, Bonnie Raitt sang a minute and a half of Angel from Montgomery because John Prine, who wrote it, got the Trustees Award. Hmm. That was my favorite. Just her and a guitar as opposed to the how's 40 she, people on stage. How's she minute. doing these days? She was fine. She Good. looked fine. She Good. sounded great. Um, that spurred the debate in my home watching it about Prince. And what other artist has been attributed so much uh, by other musicians. Elvis. You think so? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Much more. But yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, he had such an influence on so many different uh, ways and True. different music that these pop-ups are, are, are showing up everywhere. They won't let yeah, him go. Well, I didn't understand. Why are we doing a Prince tribute after four I years? I didn't understand that either. But that's I what know. I mean. He's, it's, it's still alive. It's just the politically and, correct thing to do. Yeah. I don't think he was any more influential than a ton many, of other artists. How many years has well, it's it been? Three, three or four, right? Oh, man. Yeah, that was 2016. 2016. Four years in April. March or April. I didn't watch it because there was a killer motorcycle auction on last night. Did you oh see that? No, I didn't. Wow. Good stuff. Well, you were working on cleaning points or something like that. I did that, too. I was at uh, Fratelloni's, Fratelloni's yesterday. Really? Getting salt to grit. spread on the ice. I and, got grit. And uh, Mike was there, and I had a little chat with him, and... Uh, He's almost gleeful at how bad the weather is because <laughs> he can't keep the salt in stock, and he's uh, you know doing gangbusters in uh, shovels and ice picks and scrapers and everything. And he's uh, he calls he's it a happy white, man. He calls it white gold. He's a happy man. Yeah. And now I got new salt. Well, you know what else you got? Oh. If you can't go outside because it's too slippery, you download the Pod MN app on your phone. That way you can listen to Garage Logic. The Fret Club, Table Talk, and any other of your favorite podcasts. Can Are we still all in on Wednesday? Well, I'll be there for sure. I'll 3 to 6 there. p.m. Where? 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. Doing what? Uh, hosting a happy hour and doing a live beer show, which you can also download on PodMN. Where? PodMN. What if you don't have a phone app? Well, then get one. PodMN.com to learn more. <laughs> you can do this, GLers. We'll catch you next time. Garage Logic podcast version.